Welcome back guys to the Undiverge podcast. My name is Ali Reza and today we're going to do a self-inquiry meditation together followed by some discussions. I really do think this is a beautiful technique to realize your true nature and I do encourage you to listen to this podcast in a meditative state if you like the best result. I suppose the first question we have to ponder upon in self-inquiry is the question who am I so maybe you can just think of that question who am I what is the I that is me and so you explore about your identity what the I is you go through maybe your personality and You may define yourself as a person with a certain character, a certain way of behaving, your thoughts, your emotion, your state of being. But you know that your personality is constantly in a process of change. Similarly, your thoughts and feelings are constantly in a process of change. If you just remember being 10 years old, your personality was not the same. Just have to realize that your personality is always changing. Your state of mind is always changing. Now your thoughts about life, about any ideas you have, they're also always changing. Even your emotions, you go to work, you may feel happy, you may come home and feel depressed. Emotions are also always changing. Someone may say, well, I am the physical body. Well, the physical body is also always changing. Every second that passes, your, your body changes very slightly, but still does change. So you begin to realize that the nature of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your personality is that of change and finitude. It's finite. It comes and goes. It's always changing in the process of movement. So the question is, who am I then? If, if I'm not the body, if I'm not my thoughts and feelings, who am I? Because we all have this deep intuition all, in all of us, this deep intuition that I am somehow still me today as I was five seconds ago, as I was two years ago, three years ago, and even 10 years ago. Something about me carried on and we have the seed, we have the idea or the belief of something carrying on, something continuing in all of us. And so the technique of self-inquiry tries to find the reason that we feel the same person, even though our bodies, our thoughts and feelings are always changing. So now, 
I ask you, Kenneth, to become aware of anything around you, maybe any sound you're hearing, and it just could be my sound, doesn't matter what it is. And at the same time, um, have, think of something or bring a picture to your mind. Maybe you being in your house in, in the States with your family. You pay that, you're paying attention to, the, to those two entities, those two perceptions, one being the sound of my voice, what you're hearing now, and the other being the mental image of being in America. Now go back and forth between the image and the sound as you're listening to me. And realize that there's not two separate distinct fields in which those objects are appearing in. So the sound of my voice is not appearing in a different place than the thought you're having about being in America. Just very closely notice that it's the same field of consciousness in which you hear the sound and also in which you bring forth the picture of being in America. Maybe here you can uh, respond or or tell me how how that's going for you. Yeah, I mean, I can I can, as you were saying that these two experiences of me being at home and me listening to the sound of your voice, that those two are one of the same. Like I can feel um, my my field of awareness sort of becoming more unified. Hmm. Yeah. So becoming unified, as in the sound of my voice is not appearing in a different place than the image that you're having in your mind, right? It's more so that, that like my field of awareness just feels more spacious um, and, and a little bit more luminous. Just pay attention to that field that you described as spacious and luminous. And in one instance, you can focus on your inner mental images. But at the same time, as I'm talking, you can bring your attention back and forth between my sound and your thought and very very experience how these two perceptions are appearing in the same field of mind they're not appearing one in the outside and the other in the inside and I want you to I want you to feel that if, if you can and tell me tell me tell me what, how you feel yeah, I can feel like my, sort of like my awareness is like a spring, you know, going back and forth between the two. And there's like a, a natural flow, like a regular flow um, between those two things. But the thing is, are they both in the same field? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, th that's, the, that's the main important thing. Okay. So now, just focus on the thought of being in America in your house with your family. Just focus on that for now. And now change your focus and 
focus on an emotion that you're experiencing or you have experienced in the past. Doesn't matter what it is, just simply bring your attention, bring your awareness to your emotions. Okay. And now go back and forth again between your emotions and your thoughts. This may even be easier than the one before because in this case you're in your own inner state and see the unity between your thoughts and emotions. If you want you can respond here. Hmm. Unity in terms of appearing in the same field of awareness. Because when you are aware of your thoughts, you're still awareness being aware of thoughts. And in the second case of your emotions, you can't just have an emotion. You have to be aware of the emotion. So it's the same awareness that is aware of your thoughts, your emotions, any perceptions that you also have of the external world, like, this, like the sound of my voice, or if you open your eyes, this room, just very, very established that is all the same field in which thoughts, feelings, and objects are appearing in, as well as the emotions. And maybe you can disagree with me, disagree with this, or you can maybe you can respond here and tell me what you think. Oh no, I, I fully agree that it's all in the same field of awareness. Um, I mean, all of all of consciousness, like everything that you are conscious of exists within the same field of awareness um, from your from your experience right from from your experience yeah yeah, yeah. that's very your experience is always unified yeah that's very important from your experience right now you felt that this field is one and the same awareness in which you're experiencing thoughts feelings and sense perceptions like sounds and the physicality of the external world they appearing in awareness that's the first stage now, just become aware of not the objects of awareness, like your thoughts, your emotions, and your feelings, or the sound of my voice, but become aware of awareness itself. When awareness becomes aware of itself, it doesn't find an object. So right now you may be at loss to see, maybe thinking or in confusion that uh, there's nothing there. <laughs> it's just one emptiness, luminous field. It's shining forth and it's aware and it's present. And it's the same awareness that you're aware of. So if I say, I am aware of myself, the I <coughs> by which I'm aware is the same I as myself. And when you become aware of awareness, unlike the, the first example of bringing attention to your thoughts, feelings, or my, the sound of my voice, which are all objects, 
in this case you're only resting in your being because there's nothing to find there's no object there's no thought no feeling no ex no particular experience that you can find there's just the experience of pure awareness which doesn't have any object so maybe Kenneth you can hear uh, give me some feedback I think um I think the idea of, of being aware of awareness um, is something that's quite hard to ground in experience and that it feels abstract. Mm. Um, sure. Yeah. So where, where are you struggling? Well, I think like at every moment you're aware of awareness, right? Um, to the extent that you're conscious. And so... Okay, so let like me trying to access that pure awareness is difficult. Yeah, let me give you an analogy that we've used before. Um, if you're sitting in front of a cinema, you're seeing a massive screen. Well, of course, the images are also are also within within awareness, and they're made of awareness. The images are made of the screen. But when you bring attention to an object in the movie, you're your attention is fixated upon an object, something that has a content, like maybe it feels in a certain way or um, has a certain color or shape or expression to it. In the case of becoming aware of, of awareness, it cannot be abstract because all you're doing is just being aware of your true nature by being aware. So, firstly, you are aware. I can say I am aware. And you would agree with the second part of the statement that uh, aware, right? I am aware. Now, all you have to do is to find out what the I am is. And the I am is awareness, being aware of itself. And the reason the statement I am aware doesn't give you any mental images or something for you to understand is because this is not a game of understanding. It's a game of collapsing all of those or shutting down everything which has a content and just resting in your own being. And in the stage of resting in your being, awareness rests itself rest within itself and becomes aware of itself now you're always aware of yourself but the point is right now your attention can either go towards objects of perception or it can sort of be turned off and return back to your to your source just aware pure awareness itself Do you want to say a few things here? Yeah, I think that I think the metaphor of being at the cinema is, is a very helpful one. Um, and yeah, I think I'm starting to experience more of the pure awareness. It's sort of like it's 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 an absence actually mm. more than anything the way that I experience it right now. Yeah, it's, it's an absence of content, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's very, very good so far. Uh, absence of content. Can you tell me a few more things about 
this state of pure awareness? Well, in a way, I can't, right? Because it's it's absent of content. Um, it's yeah, it feels very clear. Um, so spacious, yeah. spacious, clear, and um, absence of anything. Yeah. Could we call it empty? Maybe. Uh yeah yeah. Okay. And so. I'm gonna bring everything back to where, where we started. Who am I? The intuition that you have that you're the same person as five years and 10 years ago is based on this pure awareness, which doesn't change because of the fact that it's not an object like your thoughts, feelings, personality, or your physical body. So the reason you have the intuition that something about me carries on, continues after a certain period, five years, ten years, is based on the continuity of pure awareness, which doesn't change. It's permanent. It's not a thing for it to change. It is that which change appears in. And very strongly, you can establish that through a metaphor of undressing, if you understand the metaphor of undressing, you undress anything that is not essential to yourself. So when you establish that your thoughts, your feelings and perceptions of the external world, including your physical bodies, they're all impermanent and changing. That means they're not essential to you. Take them off. Take the hat off. Take the clothes off. Take the trousers off. Now you're just purely naked. Purely naked and nothing is being worn. And this is being in a state of pure awareness. Is being just naked. No judgment. No content. Just being aware. And at that point, you realize that is your true nature, is awareness. Thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, all perceptions, your physical body, your ideas about yourself, they're all constructs that you build on the top of awareness. And it, and it pollutes the knowledge of awareness because of all the masks and images that we have been engaging with. So now that you're aware that you are awareness, your true nature is awareness, and that thoughts, feelings, sensations, and the physical world appear in awareness, the next stage is, what is the nature of that awareness? Okay, you, you've told me I'm awareness, perfect. Uh, what else is there under many? <laughs> And this is where enlightenment is very direct. As in, becoming aware of your true nature doesn't take conceptual reasoning. And so directly you, you've realized that you're awareness and that directly we're gonna experience what your nature is. What is the awareness that I am? So the first question is, 
just pay attention to your field of awareness. I'm using field in a metaphorical sense because awareness is not literally like a field, but the, the metaphor works pretty well. Or I like to think of it as like a circle, 360 degree of awareness. Because a circle is an internal concept. It's just, there's nothing there, just a line. Think of your space of awareness to be a circle without any content. Now, just pay attention if your space of awareness has a limit or an edge to it, where it ends. Can you respond, Kenneth? Yeah. Hmm. I'm in a, quite a meditative state right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll have to remind me of the last question you asked. No, of course. Of course. My question is, just pay attention to your field of awareness and see if you can find an edge Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or a limit to your awareness. Yeah. Like where it ends. Can you yeah. experience an edge? No. Okay. Can you experience a limit to your awareness? No. But some things are outside of my awareness. And other things are in it. Identifying where exactly the boundary is is difficult. So talk to me. What is outside of your awareness right now? Um. Well, there's... Uh, a lot going on in my immediate environment that I can't hear or see yeah, uh, or touch um, yeah where is the awareness of your immediate environment happening? well there's the chair pressing up against my leg um, there's the feeling of my back resting against the chair um as to where that is within awareness, you know, it's obviously the awareness is not in the chair itself. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so to, to pinpoint a location for my awareness is not possible, right? It's not, it's not just in my back or in my head or in my arms. Mm -hmm. um, but oh, yeah, there oh. are some things that are within awareness and some things that are outside so at the moment. What, give me an example of something that's outside. Um, let's see, uh, something that's outside of my awareness right now would be, um, the conversations that are happening at home. Okay. Can, can I quickly jump in? Uh, yeah. The, the problem, the reason you are falling into that, uh, trap is because you are saying my awareness. Mm. Now, later on, we will establish that you don't have awareness as in you, not a thing that has awareness, rather awareness is you, you're an image in awareness so awareness is you you don't have the screen you're an image of the screen you do not own the screen it's not yours the screen is that in which you appear in your all your physical body your brain in the first stage we established all of them to be images to be finite temporary to be within awareness so if they're within awareness they're not a property of your physical thing physical body and the question should be, have I seen anything 
or will I ever see anything or has anyone ever seen anything outside of awareness not their awareness because that assumes that their own awareness but outside of awareness itself then maybe you can respond yeah I mean you're only aware of what's in your awareness right um, so it's not you can't be aware of something outside of your awareness and whatever you experience enters into your field of awareness yeah so when you said the conversations at home yeah right, the idea of conversations at home is something that's happening in your awareness, in your awareness yeah it's just less distinct right yeah. there is a difference in quality between the chair that you're feeling at your back and mm-hmm. the conversations that are happening at home mm-hmm. the first image is a clear and distinct one and the second image is an unclear and indistinct one Yes. But there's no. Is there? A, is there a significant boundary between them? They're just two things that pop into your field of awareness. Mm, mm. Um, I have another metaphor comes to my mind, and I will try to, to illustrate this metaphor with with an image, so that you can understand this better. Imagine that there are, there is a house, and within the house you have not a house. Let's say a room, spacious room. But the room is divided by boards, by wooden boards. So you have six wooden boards in the room, each positioned at different places in the room. But the idea is that each of those boards are dividing the room into parts. So you have six different rooms inside that single room. Okay? Now, the room in this analogy is awareness and the walls that we have constructed here are our our ego because of our ego because of where we are in reality even though we are within the same awareness and it's the same space within the room you would agree with me that the space is the same space there is rooms within that house and you cannot see who the other person is next next to you because there is that separation between you two the, the apparent separation that appears which is the property of the world in which we live in but the whole point of self-inquiry is to realize that the, the board is illusory is that despite you not having access to other people's conversations, feelings, states of mind, that you're still the same awareness. And the way you can get to that, other than this analogy, is bringing it back to what I asked you before. Can you find an edge or a limit to your awareness? And you said no. So awareness is self-luminous, spacious, empty, and limitless. And doesn't have an edge. What does it even mean for something to be limitless? It means mm-hmm. that you cannot put boards in the room. Yeah, we can, but they're illusory. You cannot really divide the room. You cannot really divide space. It appears to be divided because of the nature of the world. How it appears. But the division is, is illusory. And the whole idea is you're becoming aware that Awareness is limitless. So it cannot be divided. 
you cannot divide what is limitless. You can only give illusory sense of division. Can you give me some feedback in here? Hmm. Yes, I agree. I mean, I think that um, that there is something that is fundamentally different about different kinds of objects of awareness. Like, for example, like your awareness of the thought of a conversation is distinct from your awareness of um, of the conversation actually happening. And I recognize that both of those things are just a matter of popping into your consciousness. I also am not sure that the ego is the reason why you're unable to access the sort of infinitude of consciousness. Um, I think that like, I think that going beyond the ego is part of it, um, but to sort of um, merge with this sort of like infinite awareness you're talking about requires more. Mm. So let's take the first question first. What you said about that there are two different kinds of awareness one of them by which I become aware of a conversation and the other one I become aware of. Can you just remind me what you of said? the thought of the conversation. Of the thought, okay. So when we agreed that awareness is empty, can there be two different empty things? Like be, the idea is that that mm. thing which you call awareness is not a thing mm. that, that you can have two different versions of. As soon as you say subversion, you've made it into a thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an absence of things, a relaxation. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an empty space. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you're aware with that same emptiness of this conversation as you're aware of your thoughts and emotions. That's very important for you to experience. And, and we can move on once you, once you can experience that. But if you... Having some issues, we can work on that, you know? No, we can can keep going. We can go, okay. So, you have to see an edge or a limit to awareness in order for it to be divided. And even in the first stage of going through the analogy of the screen and the media and all of that, you know what that means? That means that awareness is not something of space and time. Because we've already established that awareness is not a thing. Rather, space-time images are appearing within awareness. So awareness cannot be within space and time. So it's, it's outside of space and time. And what is something outside of space and time? What would you call something that be, goes beyond space and time? Is there a word for it? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you. <laughs> Infinite awareness? <laughs> well, j- just what is the thing that transcends space and time? Just simply, you don't have to talk. Something that contains space and time? Something that goes beyond space and time. Something yeah. that c- you cannot measure by time or by space. Yeah. What is that thing? What do you call that thing? Um, what you can't measure with time and space. Uh... Um, Spatio-temporally, that's what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if we're saying that awareness is like a container and that the container has space and time within it, um, then then I suppose one answer to your question would be awareness. The answer, I I I would think, not I would think, but I would think and feel is 
is infinity and eternity. Mm. Mm. If something is not finite and doesn't have a limit or a boundary, it's infinite. Something is not within time, it's eternal. Now, in both of those analogies, when you find that awareness is not an image, it's not something, it's not a thing within time or space, rather it is the space in which space-time appears in, you've already gone beyond your the ideas of who you are. You've already transcended to that stage. And then when you realize that, oh, actually, I don't experience a limit or an edge to my awareness, now it becomes more clear. Okay, awareness, as I'm experiencing it, doesn't, it's not limitless. It's, it's not, it doesn't have a limit. It's limitless. It doesn't have a boundary. It's boundless. Now, now you're getting closer to where you are. Closer to, your, to the understanding of who you are. Can you comment? Um, can you say something, maybe? Mm -hmm. um, what can I say on this? I think that the, I think that it's intellectually easy to grasp the idea that um, that infinity and eternity um, encompass and transcend space and time. I think. At the moment, I can sort of understand um, experientially that... Um, Hang on, you, you cannot yeah. understand experientially, you can only experience... That, sorry, I can experience, yeah. that's what I mean. That um, my awareness has no borders and is spaceless and timeless. I can, I can uh, rather, I can understand that. But, um, hang but I'm not experiencing okay. it. I'm going to interject here. Yeah. Is if you can understand it, that's good for a philosophy class. But here you have to let you you have to turn off the understanding, the light that's of right. understanding completely, because as soon as you are on trying to understand, you're missing the point. And okay. what I'm telling you is that I'm not okay. The experience Exper yet. Perfect. So that's perfect. Just tell me where your problem is, and we can discuss. We can talk about that. Where are you not understanding that this awareness is infinite and eternal? So, as you said, it's not about the understanding, right? Yes, 100%. Where am I not experiencing that awareness is eternal? Um, that is hard to say. Okay, so you're not experiencing awareness as being infinite and eternal, right? Correct, I'm understanding that, but I'm not experiencing it. I understand. So... A possible reason you're not experiencing it is, there's two possible reasons. One is that you're looking for a particular experience, it's like, like a state, which you're like, whoa, this is pure awareness, I am, I'm in it, you know? I think that that's actually a very um, consistent problem for people who go into self-inquiry, is that they think it's going to be amazing it's going to be party every day pure awareness is going to be around we're all going to be high on pure awareness but because it's an absence of experience it's an absence of object it's an absence of absence of content it is actually a very simple experience a simple thing 
That's why it's often called the pathless path, because you don't have to do anything. It's the complete reverse of doing. It's just resting in your own being. And once you rest, your intellect, your emotions, your personality, objects of awareness, once they have been, once it's clear that they're not your identity, and once you're seeing yourself from the eyes of awareness, because of your nature, you have the ability and the right and the power to experience yourself. That is something that I'm going to say God. God has given to you an ability to self-realize. So you can realize yourself, realize who you are. But it has to come from the eyes of awareness, not the eyes of the intellect. So when you go within awareness, what you find? Nothing. Emptiness. Boundless, spacious, luminous space. As, long, as soon as you make this into a special experience, then you're going back to the images. You're making it, you're making it a state. So now try to experience yourself as awareness, become aware of awareness, without any expectation of something happening. Maybe give me some feedback. I think um, you're right that it's not a state. And it's just sort of um, an aspect of experience. Um, an aspect that's pervasive to experience. Hmm. That is experience itself. I'm just trying to yeah, get yeah. that. No, it's good. So you can maybe tell me more of, uh, of you, the problem you had about not being able to experience infinity and eternity. It's because infinity and eternity is not a human experience um, in a way that you think of it as a state, as maybe I become happy or I become sad, I become this, I become... like The word is becoming or going into. The language of this is not anything it's just no language it's pure silence um, don't go into anything don't become anything just simply be I think also that this kind of practice is the one that requires um, a great deal of concentration and focus on just the experience of being. Um, and so I am trying to dwell in that experience, right? But since the whole of my attention isn't wrapped up in it, hmm. it's hard to feel it. Okay. So, it appears to me that you're trying to pay attention to awareness. But in the first case of becoming aware of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, there is a distance between awareness and its objects. I'm just making a provisional, I'm just saying this provisionally. There is a space, like 
from awareness to your thoughts and emotions, you pay attention to your emotions and you become aware of them. You like you have to bring it into your mind, a thought, a feeling. But in the case of awareness, because it's so, so, so close to you, there is no requirement to, to shine your light on awareness, to bring attention to it. There is no need to pay attention. Attention needs to be silent. Like, how can the sun, self-luminous, shining freely, how can it ask itself, well, where is... I have to do extra to to know my light if, if the sun was conscious. Because of your nature, it, because it's shining forth constantly, because it's infinite, because it's eternal, you don't have to go anywhere to find awareness. You are where you are right now rest your attention, give up on the idea of paying attention, completely put your guns down, because attention is, is a gun, because attention jumps from, think about this, think about it, your emotion, attention needs to rest, and so when you do that, you go from a localized perspective of yourself to a non-local perspective, and the non-local perspective doesn't have any attention. It, it just is. Okay, so can you give me some feedback? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I completely agree with everything that you've said, again, intellectually. Hmm. Um, resting attention, yes. Um, but if your attention is restless like mine, mm. then it's quite hard for it to not be flickering from one thing to the next. I understand. I understand. Do you think you're becoming too aware of the fact that your attention is moving back and forth? Like you're sort of paying attention to attention to the fact that you, your attention is functioning like that. But if you're just, yeah, your thoughts are coming, coming and going, your attention is very disturbed, um, let that just play and just observe that. But, but leave, leave them behind in the sense of, well, you know that they're happening, but now go to awareness. You can consciously decide to do that to become aware of them, but go to just being aware, to a state of being aware, despite your attention playing. There was a moment just now when I, my awareness stepped out of attention, um, or attention got laid to rest, and I sort of experienced, yeah, the infinitude, this is very briefly, of awareness, mm. yeah. Amazing. And sort of attention snapped back in, but yeah. Amazing. I mean, you had a glimpse into yourself, to your true nature, but um, the thing is, it's always there, presence, luminous, aware. It's a lack of doing things, an absence of states. 
but the absence of the state is not nothing. This is very important. The state of uh, being in pure awareness, even though it's not a state, it's not nothing. It is your being. It is awareness itself. So we concluded two things, at least experientially here, even though you only had a few seconds of glimpsing into it. First is that our true nature is awareness and that space-time and everything fine that appears in awareness and that everything, all objects, physical, your physical body, your thoughts, emotions, personality, everything about your body and mind and the world is not essential to you. And your essential nature is awareness. So that's the first conclusion. And the second conclusion was that awareness is limitless, boundless, spacious, eternal, infinite, empty. And I have genuinely experienced all of those words that are described. Now the words do not perfectly describe my experience, but that's the best I can do with language. And I think, Kenneth, with regards to the question of awareness, what you essentially are, that you awareness, you agree with experientially with everything that I said. Where you struggled with was with the nature of awareness, that is limitless, infinite and eternal. And that's okay. Because it's your first time doing it. And the fact that you managed to have a glimpse is very, very good. Uh, so two comments. Um, the first one, to rewind back a bit, um, in terms of locking on to awareness itself. Mm -hmm. So a, a practical tip for that. So the way that I would say, you know, in all my years of searching, the, the most sort of efficient practical method I found for that is to sort of pass through the body right, on the way to pure awareness, mm -hmm. right? to sort of, you know, clear the palate a bit, right? So if I were to describe it, uh, I'll, I'll sort of walk you through it a little bit and then I'll maybe describe the basic principle more, more succinctly. You know, you sort of focus in on the body and any sensations that are prevalent, you know, the hands, you sort of basically get a sense of, of, of what's going on, your shoulders, feel your belly, feel your hips, feel the, 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 the pressure against the seat always works very, very well, it's always very prominent, right? And then perhaps come to the breath, right? And then just notice there, as you breathe in and as you breathe out, is there any tension around the body that's constricting the breath in any way, right? And as you breathe in, just kind of breathe in to the, to the moment you come across some resistance. Breathe in, and the moment you come across some resistance, just relax. And then breathe in again. And the moment you come across any resistance at all, just relax with the out-breath. one more time as you sort of breathe in the moment is the slightest tightness around the diaphragm or the shoulders or the face just let go of that tension now as you pay attention to your body can you come across any tension that's habitually associated with thinking any contraction of the facial muscles any contraction of the shoulders, perhaps a feeling around the temple, any tension that exists in your body, 
from the kind of clenching of the muscles that happens when you deep in thought, that happens when you're compulsively thinking. And as the out-breath comes, try to see if you can just relax that. Now, I'd like you to sort of take a step a bit around that. Is there anything in this space around the muscles associated with thinking that has any tension to it, any form of discomfort? Right? So this might be the area of the brain, the area behind the eyes, right? Anything associated with the gaze, right, with awareness itself. <laughs> so it's that space around the thinking the kind of spot where the thinking seems to happen in the body, right? Which will lead you a little bit to the sense of, okay, where does awareness lie? Right? If you look for awareness straight off the bat, it can be a little bit abstract. But go into the body and realize that there's a somatic experience associated with awareness. And then you can kind of pinpoint awareness, right? Especially as you'll find that as you come into meditation, there will be some residual tension Right, from some clenching, some clinging, that will have coagulated around awareness through the course of the day, through the stressful events of the day. Right? So as you just relax the facial muscles, relax the temples, then you can come to that space behind the eyes, the space somewhere in the kind of brain region typically. Right? And, and then you'll notice that there's a bit of tension there. And as you relax that tension, there you are. Right? Then you drop into awareness of awareness, right? That's where you locate it, right? Mm. Now, of course, it was everywhere, and it is everywhere, but that, for me, is the most practically efficient method, right? Yeah, I like that a lot, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you find that any sort of tension associated with thinking physically in the body, and then you go slightly more abstract, right? Yeah. You see the sort of field of consciousness itself that is a sort of tendency it has towards thought, and once you locate that, then that kind of tension towards thought dissolves, and you're able to just pay attention to sort of more pure awareness. That thing in which thought happens, that thing, that thing in which somatic sensations, sensations of the body happen. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's the first point, right? And that yeah. so it broadly comes from, um, yeah. So the, the, a meditation teacher I've been following for many years now, Gil Fronstall, He sort of emphasizes this extremely, mm. uh, very, very much. You sort of that kind of instruction. He sort of. Uh, puts that into any sort of guided meditation you'll do. And on mm. pretty much any topic, you sort of mm. get you there. It's, this, it's more or less this is mm. method mm. of sort of arrival, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now, the second thing I'd say about the sort of um, general kind of inquiry into the self, uh, from my personal experience, right, the most transformative um, phenomenological, philosophical, meditative approach that I found, the thing that I was, I happened to be studying at the time when I started entering, you know, really getting to grips with the deep state meditation, 
And the thing, so it was partly just, you know, it just happened to be there at the time, but the one that really kind of set everything in place for me, right, set, it, set the, the whole framework in place for me, was that of Tiantai Buddhism. Uh, that's mm. um, in the sort of the apogee, really, of a sort of Chinese Buddhism, the Tang Dynasty, around 600 AD. Mm. This particular uh, figure, this great patriarch of the school, G.E., Z-H-I-Y-I. And he wrote, for me, the sort of the comprehensive meditation manual called mm-hmm. The Great Vipassana and Samatha, the, the Moho Jiguan, the, the great calming and insight, mm-hmm. the two aspects mm-hmm. of, the, sort of the Buddhist meditative path. And in this sort of comprehensive manual and a couple of other writings, the most famous section of this is when he describes, um, so he describes everything. He describes like how to work with the breath and the posture and the this and the diet and the times of day. And he, the, the, at some point I'll go at length about how he describes like, you know, your first state of long-term solo meditation and mm. how it is you should approach that. Um, but then the specific kind of meditation that he prescribes, it's probably the most famous part of all Tiantai thought, right? And it proceeds in three phases, right? The first one being conventional truth mm. the second one being the absolute truth the of emptiness and the third one being the the middle Jean, mm. the sort of the one which sort of combines both perspectives mm-hmm. right? um, so the conventional truth in this case being the reality as we normally experience it reality mm-hmm. as anyone experiences it you know uh, you are you you have your personality right you have you live you go through your day um, and then the sort of ultimate truth of awareness as this empty field that's the second bit mm-hmm. right but the most distinctive part happens in the first, right? Mm. Uh, so just by an observation of your conventional consciousness, mm. uh, but giving it giving it a real good look, see, giving it a real good spelunking, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. let's let's actually properly see what's going on mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. without like bursting through it to anything else, without seeing what underlies it. Let's just mm-hmm. see what's happening on the surface level of my consciousness. Yeah, um, and so that's that leads to this meditative uh, technique called the three thousand worlds in one. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, or in one thought, mm. three thousand words in one moment of consciousness. Mm. So for this, um, he basically. So if we want to go back to you know the things that were there in your objects of awareness, you sit there, you meditate, you sort of putting yourself to a more or less kind of calm state, and then you contemplate. Okay, so you know you were sitting there mm-hmm. and you were aware of myself, mm-hmm. right, David Leon, and oh hello everyone by the way, this is David Leon, <laughs> <laughs> librarian of the Hoxha Center for Buddhist Studies. Uh, writer David Leon Doplog. <laughs> and hello, everyone. This is Kenneth. Oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> at Oxford. Um, so you're aware of me and you're mm-hmm. aware of Ali. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as well, you're aware of back home, so your parents, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Your family. Mm-hmm. Okay. So close your eyes again. Mm-hmm. So what am I? All right. So within your field of awareness, within your experience, I am something. Okay. Right. Now just sort of, you know. Collect more or less your image of me. Collect more or less what, what it is that I am mm-hmm. in you. Okay, but I'm some. But I, the thing that's happening to you right now, is something in you, right? And we're not denying that there's me as well outside of that. But for, as far as your experience goes, I am something that's happening in your experience, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, part of the thing that is happening in your experience—that's me, that's David Leon—is an awareness of Kenneth Shinazuka, right? Mm-hmm. So part of me, which is in you, is you, which is in me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the basic method. Mm-hmm. So now consider, uh, do you have a pet? Do I have a pet? Yeah. Um, I do not have a pet. 
Okay, do you know any animals? I do know animals, yes. Right. So can you think of one in particular? Yes, yes. So which, can you tell me which one? Uh, I can think of a, a dog that I, that I knew very well named Mochi. Very nice. So it's a very different kind of mind, right? Yes. But nevertheless, that is a mind, Yeah. right? Inside your mind, right? Mm-hmm. That is aware of that you. Mm-hmm. So you also exist in its mind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So that's it. But this is all, everything that's been happening so far is mm-hmm. still in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So think of Siddhartha Gautama, the Shakyamuni Buddha, the Sha- you know, uh, the, the OG, the OG, right? yeah. Okay. So consider him there, sitting at the age of one thirty-five, when it was under the, under this, tree in the deer park, you know, having his moment of of of, of enlightenment right over the three watches of the night, and when he comes to that sort of comprehensive vision of all his past lives and comprehensive understanding of all of karma, right, in which he understands the nature of the mind and the nature of dependent origination, the nature of all things, really. You see, in some sense, he saw from that position beyond that tree, he saw you projected it out now. He was in this timeless space. He, was in, he had this transcendent experience, right? Mm-hmm. In which he understood it. He you know, pierced with insight through all the illusions of, of creation, right? To see what truly is, right? So from that spot, he must have been able to see you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And same for Jesus Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. In that moment when he, you know, gets past his sense of abandonment and, you know, accepts his fate as, as, as the perfect expression of the, of the Godhead to sacrifice itself to sort of make up for any lack that humans or that sentient beings would have, right, through his sacrifice. He's doing that, you know, projecting out all the humans that it will exist in the future, right? So those are two minds, right, Mm. inside your mind which mm. are aware of very different sorts right mm. the one being the son of god right mm-hmm. uh, god the son mm-hmm. the other one being a transcendent being a, a, a buddha right a fully awakened being mm-hmm. and a, a dog mm-hmm. right all of these minds within your mind all of which are aware of of you mm-hmm. right kenneth is part of that mm-hmm. so you see the nested nature of this mm. you're you within which there's your idea of you, which is Kenneth, mm-hmm. and also your idea of David Leon, in which there's this idea of Kenneth, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in David's mind, there's the idea of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you see this inter So that's how you get to the 3,000 worlds, right? So each kind of being, an animal, a human, a Buddha, a Pratika Buddha, so a Buddha who is enlightened by hearing, a Buddha who a Shavaka Buddha, a Buddha that is enlightened but doesn't teach. All these different kinds of being, a, a demon, a god. You go through all these things, and you see how they're actually that is just a thing in my mind, mm. which actually contains inside the, the gods are aware of the Buddha, the Buddha is there aware of the demons. Mm-hmm. All and you just go look, go for about forty, say half an hour, forty-five minutes, and you mm-hmm. just, and you get anyone you've ever met. Mm-hmm. Well, there they are. In your mind, mm-hmm. and there you are in their mind, mm-hmm. and there they and, and there Jesus is in this person's mind all the mm-hmm. way down the line. Mm-hmm. You do that for a very, very long time, mm-hmm. and then the moment of three thousand words in one thought, you say, "Okay, coming to the end of the meditation session," and you look back, mm-hmm. right, and you say, "Okay, what have I just those pa- just done those past forty-five minutes?" Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you run through everything you've just done, and bing, <laughs> you burst through, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that, and then of course, like you kind of come back mm-hmm. 
too. Mm. But mm. when you come back too, you're very easily able to abide mm. in this. Mm. Right? Mm. And then you go into the second step of the mm. meditative mm. thing and realizing this was all emptiness, right? Mm. Everything I just saw, all of this was happening in this empty, infinite mm. field, right? Mm. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of conceptualization that I that I always found mm-hmm. particularly useful, right? And uh, the why? So number one, so the first thing about the somatic thing, mm-hmm. just like go into your body, mm-hmm. in your body find thought, right? Yes. Find tension around awareness leading into thought. Having found that in your body, you can dissolve the tension in your you know tension in your mind that mm-hmm. can possibly lead you to thought, and you're able to abide in awareness. Yeah. And the second thing, it allows you to play with your distractions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyone you might think of, mm-hmm. well then apply, apply, you know, disciplined phenomenological insight. Whatever it was that your mind just wandered off to, mm-hmm. what was that? Apply mm-hmm. insight to that. What that was was a wandering mm-hmm. mind inside my mind, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which actually mm-hmm. is contained within me. And then the more you mm-hmm. sort of delve into what that mm-hmm. kind of thing is, yeah. You can make that an object for your meditative awareness, mm. leading you then to whatever state of mm. awareness that you wish mm. to. Mm. That's very interesting it. because it's, it's sort of a, a counterpart to what Ali was saying earlier, right? I mean, I think that the, the part of the meditation that was most effective for me, the one that induced the experience of, of a truly spaceless awareness as opposed to a spacious awareness, um, was when Ali said um, that we should forget about attention. You know, yeah, attention yeah, is, yeah. Is, is flitting um, from one place to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, rest in awareness um, instead. Uh, and and, and it, it seems to me, right, that like that's a sort of suspension of attention, whereas the um, meditation that you're talking about mm-hmm. is actually not at all a suspension of attention. Exactly. It's in fact like a, an infinite extension of exactly. attention, right? Mm-hmm. Because exactly. because your mind is wandering just as much as it normally is. Exactly. But but, but it, you're going infinitely deep into exactly. the wandering. Um, you're going into the infinitely, in, yeah, into the infinitude of sentient beings that actually exist in this sort of nested structure within within your awareness. Yeah. Exactly. Just want to say something about uh, what you were just saying, Kenneth, is these two techniques are very different. Uh, but I think the importance of what David was saying, I think is that you have to do that first if mm. you're struggling with mm. this technique. Right, right, right. Because it prepares you for for the direct experience of both the breathing technique and the visualization mm-hmm. and minds being interconnected and inter- um, entangled. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is struggling with, with this technique of just directly going to awareness, mm-hmm. It's always good to start with that because that's like yeah. preparation. Yeah. But once you prepare a few times, or and once that that gets clear, mm-hmm. then you don't need to do that. Yeah, you just yeah. have to do it simple. It. Yeah. Yeah. It takes yeah. you a few seconds, minutes, and you. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that's what I just wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, and I like this <clears throat> idea of also relaxing the the tension within your body as a way of tuning into. <clears throat> as a way of tuning into awareness um that like i mean i, I guess the idea right is that 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 when you're is the idea that when you're uh when you do release that tension um that that you just become more aware or rather like the the the, the tension in your body is an obstacle to awareness is that the idea behind the practice uh i'd say that the tension in your body okay i'd say that is the um, residue mm. of the events 
the pattern. Mm. <laughs> I'd say the tension in your body, right, is a residue of events, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. which will cause you distraction. Mm-hmm. I see, I see. Right. Right. right so right, like right. like you came in with a certain amount with a certain mm-hmm. your personality came in right, right, right with right, a right. certain uh baggage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? I see, and that I see. baggage has been stored in your body yeah, yeah, yeah. and just ugh, let yeah. that go yeah yeah and yeah. then you the you can put you can put the baggage to the side mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and then you'll find that the mind will wander less towards mm-hmm. the directions it's telling it gonna mm-hmm. tend to land yeah um, right, right right go towards yeah an analogy that comes to my mind is is one of a circle. So you, I think you, I've told you the analogy of a circle before. But if you picture awareness being like a circle, mm-hmm. sorry, awareness being like a circle, you can use the the lines of a circle, mm-hmm. bring them to the center, mm-hmm. and focus on the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? You yeah. can focus on, and again, you, you go from the size of the circle, mm-hmm. yeah. and you come to, towards the middle of the circle, mm-hmm. And you find your emotions, you find your thoughts. Mm-hmm. When you're doing self-inquiry, mm-hmm. there's no arrows going to the center. There's just the pure circle, mm-hmm. nothing else. Mm-hmm. And, and and honestly, a circle is the best way to to for me at least to uh, to visualize or understand awareness. Mm-hmm. It's just a pure empty circle, mm-hmm. not even a screen. Because circle is a mathematical idea. Uh, so you can always think of that is that as soon as I'm trying anything, as soon as I'm, as I'm trying, I'm creating lines. Mm-hmm. I'm creating lines towards the center of, of, of the circle. Yeah. If I'm not trying, if I'm not doing anything, mm-hmm. it's just a pure circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you're saying that those lines are like sort of the, the vectors of your attention. Yeah. If I'm understanding that correctly. Yes, yeah, cool. they're your vectors. Because attention comes forth from awareness. Right, right, right. right, right? right. Yeah, when yeah. you need to pay attention on something you got a task to do yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but because this this task is not one of doing mm-hmm. it's one of not doing you have to not point arrows towards an object mm-hmm. rather just forget the whole thing about the arrows and focusing your attention right right right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and also another one uh, i don't know if anyone listening has heard of the vesicular pisces mm-hmm. so two circles inter- uh, entangled so um, as David was talking, so, like a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's called Vesicle Pisces. Sure, that it is, this yeah. this creates Vesicle Pisces. Yeah, uh, yeah, this yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. But as David was talking about um, awareness being inside of awareness, mm-hmm. like you, you and um, David and Kenneth, yeah. mm-hmm. as you guys becoming aware of each other, and you realize that one is in the mind of the other, mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. The the image to understand that is 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 one of. Um, the Van diagram is that how you would say it? Van diagram and and in in this point of entanglement in the middle, mm-hmm. two circles. This is joined together. Mm-hmm. You realize that you're on, you're you're the same thing. You're one. Right. That, that's how that's how you realize the oneness. Is that yeah? The oneness that I have, the oneness you have, is actually one awareness yeah. through through that practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so all these ideas you can illustrate, understand through geometry. Right. Um, and it makes it very easy to like understand you know awareness are just like the the way we experience the world is an entanglement on an infinite number of circles but ultimately it's one circle uh yeah so to elaborate on this on this idea about the geometry so uh, i worked at this place called the qualia research institute um which i think would sort of conceptualize attention as like a series of 
um, uh, well, a attention is as a vector field, basically. So a vector you can just think of as a line with a direction um, that also has a certain strength associated with it. Um, and the reason why you can think of attention as a vector field is, um, well, normally your attention is pointing in all these different directions, right? You're, you're distracted, your mind is jumping from one object to the next. Uh, and so the, 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 the vector field, um, you know, what all these different vectors look like, the way that they're pointing, it's very scrambled. Um, now, meditation can take two different forms. Um, there's, uh, well, there are many different forms that meditation can take, but let's consider two. There's focus, focus attention and open monitoring. So in focus attention, you're trying to bring your attention to a specific object, right? Whether it's your breath or something else. Um, in prayer, it might be something entirely different. Now, in that case, that's um, reconfiguring the geometry of the vector field such that all the vectors are pointing at the same thing rather than being in this like sort of uh, mm. scrambled configuration. With open monitoring meditation, right, you're not trying to focus on a specific thing. Rather, you're trying to broaden the scope of your awareness to encompass everything. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, it's not that the vectors of your attention are pointing towards a specific thing. Mm -hmm. It's more like what you're talking about, Ali, that like that mm -hmm. there are no vectors at all in the field. It's just a field with with a total absence of, of any vectors. Mm -hmm. um, Exactly. Also, to your point about the Venn diagram, it's not quite that it's it's not quite that you're experiencing a Venn di the, the entanglement as a Venn diagram of two different consciousnesses in the um, in the practice that David was talking about, but rather you have this like infinitely nested hierarchy of circles. So you have like the circle which is your awareness, and then within that circle there's you know David's awareness and the awareness of the dog and the awareness of Jesus and so on and so on and so on, and it's an infinitely nested hierarchy. But also right? Like your circle exists within someone yeah. else's circle, right? Yeah. Whoever yeah, is thinking yeah, yeah. of you, right? And so it's just, it has no top, it has no bottom, right? Yeah. Yeah. As, as you saw that, you realize you still have never left right. your circle. Exactly. Or still be there. And yeah, eventually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only point of it is that you understand in entanglement of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Right. You understand, right, right, right. It just visualizes geometrically that two entities are entangled in this way right. now you add more circles and more circles and more mm -hmm. circles and more circles mm -hmm. then you get the flower of life right. uh, which is the whole entire creation yeah but it's one picture yeah. but many circles yeah that's the whole idea is that there are many circles but only one thing mm -hmm. there are many experiences but there's only one one awareness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but thank you all for joining in and engaging with today's self-inquiry meditation. I hope that this has been a blessing to you.